This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It is always great to be saving money on your power bill, using technology, and living a more sustainable life. I'm Tim Eccles, your host of Energy Matters. In the studio with me again, a regular co-host, Casey Boyce. Casey, how's it going? I'm good, Tim. How are you this morning? Man, you're doing so good on the show. I mean, we just love having you. Oh, thank you. I hope the audience likes having me here, too. Yeah, yeah, I think they do. I mean, we get a lot of activity on Twitter. You and I live there. I'm at Tim Eccles uh, on Twitter. My, and I'm the at sh- Casey Boyce. You're at Casey Boyce yep. and, and the shows at Matters Radio. In the studio with us today is your friend and mine casey ann blair and welcome hi thank you so much for having me a pleasure to be here yeah and you uh you're on twitter too right what's your twitter i am handle? on twitter uh my twitter handle is clean energy the numeral four and the letter u clean, clean. energy four u the, the number right. four and just you yes uh and so we do uh we do love to have you guys interact with us so please follow and Blair, uh, and we're going to be talking EVs. We're going to be talking energy efficiency today. And, you know, I want to start, Ann, with the award that you recently received uh, representing uh, really the eastern part of the United States uh, at the Electric Auto Association. Tell us a little bit about your trip to San Diego, what that what that was like, and, and how that all went. Yes, thanks so much. Um, it's a, It was a real pleasure to be honored by the Electric Auto Association um, for my work, both uh, professionally at the Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance and also in my work as president of EV Club of the South, which is a volunteer organization that's been around more than 20 years that does outreach and education on electric vehicles. And so the um, at the Electric Auto Association annual meeting, they they recognize leaders uh, throughout the year in different parts of the country and so I was awarded the MVP award for the eastern part of the country and just felt so honored for that recognition of you know for my work with working with folks like you and other commissioners throughout the southeast as well as consumers to really move transportation uh, electric transportation along and improve our environment public health as well as providing economic benefits for our communities um, at that annual meeting Uh, It was a chance to meet with a lot of the other uh, Electric Auto Association chapters. So they... um there are more than 80 different chapters throughout the country, and so if you you know are looking for a way to learn more about EVs with people who drive them, been a part of this industry um, since before they were cool, <laughs> um, that's a great way to get involved. So that's Electric Audio Association. That's cool. I'm a member, and great to hear that. And just to put it in perspective, Casey. You know, California has over 600,000 electric vehicles. I mean, it, it is... They are the market, yeah, <laughs> basically. They, they really are the market compared to Germany with about 60,000 and Georgia with about 30,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, when you when you look at those numbers, you, you can see why all of these manufacturers are marketing their electric anything in California because it, it simply is a... A supply and demand thing and they have a much higher demand well and, and the other piece that's factoring into it too is that the uh, mileage targets that the automakers have to set there's really no way that they can meet them um, particularly in europe without electrifying their fleet so uh, you're going to be seeing a lot of new electric vehicles coming out in new segments um, that there aren't uh, you know ev choices in already i'm really excited about all the electric pickup trucks that are coming out um, but they are really uh, looking to to you know kind of open the floodgates for folks and let me ask you, as you met a lot of the chapter leaders from around the country, you know, particularly, let's just focus on California just for a second. What's the difference between how Californians view electric vehicles? So we've talked before about energy philosophy and things in our show, but is there a difference between what you see at the EV Club of the South when y'all meet at Manuals for Tacos mm-hmm. versus, um, versus people in California? 
Well, I think there is uh, a, a shift in, in, in mentality or a difference in mentality of electric transportation. Uh, California actually has a zero emissions vehicle mandate. So they actually have to, um, there's a mandate that there will be a certain number of vehicles uh, that are electric on the roads. And so it's a way of life for people out there. There are a lot more car types, models, and makes that are available to consumers. And here in the Southeast, we don't get as many of those models and options because we don't have a requirement. So the dealers, the manufacturers aren't driving those vehicles to our markets. And so you see a lot more variety in terms of the types of vehicles out there. I mean, certainly Tesla is what you see more than anything, whether it be the Model S. X or the Model 3, uh, but there's a, a mentality um, of combining electric transportation with solar as well, because there's also uh, mandates for renewable in, uh, energy in California as well. So there's a difference in what they're being driven to do versus what's, you know, what we're doing on our own in the Southeast. Casey, we've talked about vehicle-to-grid technology that may come one day in the U.S. And as you visited with people in San Diego at this meeting, these chapter leaders, are you hearing more buzz about the idea of taking what's in that battery sitting in my driveway or my garage and creating some kind of value proposition for the owner of the car to be compensated when energy is pulled back out of the car? Uh, there are pilots that are uh, have emerged doing just that, but where I'm seeing it uh, pick up more speed is more in the heavy duty markets so with school buses or transit buses and having those batteries available and an asset for the utilities in those areas and then whoever you know owns the bus that's a separate ownership model um, so that the utilities have control and management over those batteries i'd love to see that i mean i work with a couple of clients that have some of those ev uh, bus pilots it's great for the utility great for the kids they get cleaner air inside the bus you don't think about that but it has a big impact on their health um, i'd love to see um, the, you know more electric school buses down here in the southeast yeah it's great and we actually do have a company here in georgia bluebird that is making electric buses in fort valley georgia so you know it's right in our backyard and we need to provide uh, more market for them to sell their buses we saw Bluebird sell a lot of methane and propane buses into the market. Mm-hmm. A number of school systems in Georgia doing that. And do you anticipate electric buses having the same kind of appeal? Absolutely, because they're quieter, a more comfortable ride. And as Casey just mentioned, you know, they're a lot cleaner for kids. Georgia has some of the highest asthma rates in the country, and diesel buses in particular are huge triggers for asthma attack with kids. And electric buses can change that for them and improve the health of our kids. I think we've all been sitting behind a vehicle or, 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 or frankly, just walking up to, say, uh, a tour bus maybe that we were on that was sitting there idling. Uh, you can see this with uh, even Greta, essentially our commuter bus line. You can see those buses sitting and idling as they're waiting uh, for their turn to go pick up people at a designated point. So, Casey, do you see do you see this electric vehicle market as it gets into the commuter buses for transit as well as school buses having a big impact? Oh, yeah. And, and you look at China, they've electrified a lot of their transit fleets um, more aggressively than they have the passenger vehicle market. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a great business case for it for those fleet operators, certainly a big public health uh, case for it. And, and as Ann said, it's good for the utilities as well. Yeah, and the financial savings for fleet owners to not be purchasing gas, the electricity rates are much lower. I mean, it's a huge opportunity for them to too, keep right? and maintenance savings. Yeah. yeah, so there's a huge cost savings and benefit of putting those dollars into other other things than on fuel. And I had a chance to visit with Alameda County, that's Oakland, California. Their fleet director, he was a nervous wreck over his 80 EVs because he said if they plugged in at the wrong time, it triggered a demand charge, a demand event, about $150 on a level two plug-in and a, about a $1,500 charge on a 
on a DC fast charger. Did you hear anything from California about any changes in kind of mitigating that kind of problem? Well, one of the options to mitigate that problem is to actually have, you know, rates that are designed to incentivize charging at off-peak periods or periods where um, you where the rates are lower, where there's less demand on the grid. So that's one one benefit or one opportunity, excuse me, for doing that. Casey, are you hearing things from your customers, uh, clients uh, from around the country? Yeah, so the, the thing that's really interesting about the uh, electric school bus uh, pilots that uh, some of my clients are doing is that they're actually managing the battery. So rather than having, you know, the rate uh, design needing to be, you know, quote unquote fixed or, you know, uh, you know, managed to incentivize people on the right, the utility's got control of the battery, make sure it's charged up in the morning um, and the afternoon for the, the school runs. Um, but they can really cycle those on and off whenever they need to even do things like frequency regulation for the grid, manage uh, overall demand. So, um, you know, in that model, it's, you know, you don't even need those price signals because the utility is managing it directly on behalf of the operator. Right. And another thing that we're seeing uh, people, uh, utilities implement um, in some areas of the country, because a lot of these fast chargers aren't yet uh, purely economical in terms of they're not seeing the demand um, on them needed. And so one of the things they're doing is extending or delaying putting demand charges uh, in place to allow for an increase in electric vehicle adoption. Yeah, cool stuff. I want to continue this conversation. Where can they find out more about the Electric Auto Association or the EV Club, Ann? You can find the Electric Auto Association on Twitter at EAA National. And you can find the EV Club at EVCOTS on Twitter. Fantastic. I'm Tim Eccles on Twitter. You're KC Boyce. I am indeed. The shows at Matters Radio. Stick around. We'll bring back Ann Blair to talk about energy efficiency and electric cars. You're listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Green Power EMC. From the suburbs to rural farming communities, Georgia is enjoying the benefits of a more sustainable future through the power of solar energy. Available from 38 of Georgia's member-owned electric membership cooperatives, or EMCs, these not-for-profit utilities are harnessing the sun's energy to bring clean, renewable, and affordable electricity to 4.2 million Georgians. For more information, visit www.greenpoweremc.com or contact your local EMC. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMVW Auto Sales. And we're back. I'm Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I'm in the studio today with Casey Boyce. Casey, how's it going? Good, Tim. We're talking EVs. We're talking energy efficiency with our guest, Ann Blair. Ann, welcome back. Great to be back. Yeah, we really like having you. We love the leadership that you're giving our state. You've, you've been recognized for it recently. And we want to continue talking about EVs and what it's going to take for Georgia to regain the previous dominance that we had. I mean, it's hard to believe that we were second in the nation, only to California. And we, we've continued to slip, and it was due to the reduction of the tax credit, the state tax credit that we had. It was $5,000, and the legislature in 2015 took it to zero. It's still, the enacting legislation is still there. We just, we didn't like repeal it. We just took it to zero, right? And so technically, you could sub any number back in there, and we could restore it in in the matter of just a couple hours if the legislature uh, had a mind to do it, right? Tell us a little bit about where the effort is to kind of restore something like that. 
Yeah, we've been looking at this issue since its repeal in 2015 and even before then as there were discussions to potentially repeal it. And, you know, the $5,000 tax credit was a very generous tax credit and applied to both the lease and sale of electric vehicles. We wanted to see what are some alternatives that would be more palatable uh, to our state legislators and also help keep us as a leader in electric vehicle adoption. So we commissioned a study to evaluate what the economic benefits would be of enacting a $2,500 tax credit um, back to the state. And what we found is that we would see an increase in EV adoptions. And in fact, we would see um, between two and 4,000 additional new jobs created by that industry, uh, between two and $500 million of net GDP growth to the state, and between 100 and $250 million in net labor income added to the state if we enacted this tax credit. So that's equates to about a three to one ratio in terms of leveraging um, public dollar um, into uh, the benefits to the state. And it's a tax credit, so it's letting people take their money, right? Uh, keep their money, right? Right, yeah. right, right. And use it for other things that can benefit their families That's here great. in Georgia. I, I made the case for this until I was red in the face, really until I'm, I angered some legislators. And I've t- kind of just backed off of it because I just didn't feel like that my advocacy for this was construct- constructive. And now, you know, I've kind of turned my messaging to the fact that EVs charged at home mm-hmm. overnight actually lowers uh, everyone's rates or puts downward pressure on rates. That's I mean, right. is that, do you feel like, Ann, that's an effective message? I do think that's an effective message. And we really do have an opportunity to be a leader in this space in terms of manufacturing. We have new industry coming to support electric transportation and SK innovations um, in the commerce area uh, coming to the states. And we need policies also to demonstrate to those outside of Georgia to come to Georgia and invest because we have EV friendly policies. Um, so I, you know, I think that that um, those messages are very effective and could potentially move the needle farther. Well, we were talking a little during the break that that we actually had some recent action at the commission. Um, you know, thanks to your leadership, uh, Tim, uh, that helped support that EV infrastructure build out. And you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yes, as a part of the recent rate case, the commissioner made a motion to increase the investment by Georgia Power in charging infrastructure. And this was a combination of Georgia Power owning and operating all through the station up to just something that's called EV Ready, allowing them to recover the cost of adding additional lines to support high-speed charging. Um, And so that was an additional $8 million annually that the company will be able to recover. And that will really motivate them to get more engaged and expand their charging infrastructure throughout the, the state. Exactly, because if they don't spend the money, they don't get recovery on it. So they, they are extremely incentivized to do it. We want them to do it right, obviously. Right. But getting this make ready can sometimes be expensive. If you think about the Porsche chargers down in Hapeville, uh, just across from the Chick-fil-A Dwarf House, one of my favorite haunts to eat at, those chargers draw about two and a quarter megawatts of energy for the Taycan. So that took a lot of effort to get that power over there. That make ready is now going to be covered, not the Porsche ones. Those were already done. Other companies that want charging on their side that may have uh, some unique hurdles to doing that, they're going to get some assistance. So that's that's great news. Well, and, and that's huge. Uh, you know, as an EV driver, and I know you guys both drive EVs, although you have those little pesky gas engines as backups. Um, but as an EV driver, having that infrastructure is tremendous. So when I first bought uh, an EV in 2014, there was one fast charger in the state of Georgia. Um, I have no idea how many there are. I've lost count. There are too many um, to, to even count. And as a result, I haven't really felt constrained in any of my travels in electric vehicle and so building out more infrastructure as more people get exposed to EVs that's that's really big it is important and it is a growing trend for utilities to ve- to develop electric transportation programs or to ask for uh, these programs to be uh, approved by public service commissions elsewhere in the southeast uh, we have uh, Duke energy that's proposed programs and waiting for decisions on those but it's a growing trend and w- we really think that 
charging is a public service and will ultimately uh, put downward pressure on rates. And so we think these programs should be invested in and approved by utility commissions. I teased in the last uh, segment we were going to talk a little bit about the EV performance corral at Road Atlanta this year. Uh, the October race that they do out there called the Petite Lama. Uh, it's uh, basically an all-day Saturday race, but everything cranks up on Wednesday. So it's essentially Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday at the racetrack, and we're going to have an EV performance corral this year, thanks to um, Cobb EMC and Jackson EMC. Georgia Power is going to bring out their new Envision units that fold out like a big solar flower with chargers on it. We're going to have a number of uh, folks there, like uh, I hope you two guys will join me there. We'll have a little special uh, uniform that we'll wear, a, a race shirt, really. It's not a uniform. It's a race shirt that we'll wear that uh, that will tell people we can answer their questions about, uh, about EV performance cars. We're not going to let a Chevy Volt or a Nissan Leaf into the corral, sorry, and you and I uh, will have to stay out. Casey... Uh, we'll see if we consider a BMW i3 as a performance car. Oh boy! Well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's see if we can get him out on the track for a parade lap, and then we can then we can talk. Yeah, but it, it is going to be fun as we kind of turn our attention to racing and the impact that um, that electric cars can make in in racing. So that's going to be kind of fun. I think it'll be tons of fun. You know, I grew up really loving cars and never had much money to really dive in and participate in the performance uh, market. But I think this will be a great addition to that race. I had an opportunity to go to the Petit Le Mans uh, this year and to, to see how electric vehicles can begin to you know impact the industry. I think that'll be huge. I also grew up in NASCAR country and I'd love to see some evolution there. KC, so if we have a crowd of folks out there and we have a number of the plug-in cars, you've seen the Taycan, the Porsche. Oh, yeah. Cool car. And BMW, they have a number of plug-ins, don't they? They do. A lot of them are plug-in hybrids. They're coming out with some more electric soon, but probably not in time for the Petit Le Mans. Yeah. I was in uh, the BMW Welt facility, yeah. which is like their... Over in Germany, uh, right? Yeah, their, their showcase. It's not a museum. It's, a, it's, it's almost like a sales center. In fact, you can take delivery of your car there. But they were displaying the powertrain, the chassis of the new 7 Series that's going to be a plug-in electric. So um, you know, BMW is all about performance, obviously, and they weren't wanting to compromise either engine. So yep. both of those engines were screaming fast. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Well, hopefully we can get them involved in the corral as well. Yeah, so Porsche's already said they're putting a Taycan in. Beautiful. Uh, there, so we've got other manufacturers that are out there. AMG with a Mercedes. Um, Mercedes is coming on. Um, Excellent. And Audi. Uh, yep. is uh, Audi is a bit, has a big presence at the track. Have you have you seen that e-tron? Uh, it's a nice-looking car, yeah. Pretty yeah. expensive. It is pretty expensive. Yeah, that's that's a problem. All of these, uh, you know, German luxury electric SUVs are, are a bit more expensive, but there are a lot of lower uh, priced EVs out there for folks. Yeah, so it's going to be a, a cool thing. And one of the things that we did in the IRP was to create this Second Life EV charging container. And Georgia Power is working on it right now with Southern Research, which is not affiliated with the Southern Company in Birmingham. It's a nonprofit. But did you hear much about that in California? Not ours, but uh, about recycling these used lithium-ion batteries? Well, I think that's a big in, uh, interest to a lot of consumers is knowing that they're when they're transitioning into what's con you know what's considered a cleaner car that they're not creating you know another waste stream and another product problem and there is a lot of testing going on to evaluate what those uh, what that can be do and from what I've heard you know when when a battery is no longer particularly good for a vehicle application there's still nearly 80 percent of its useful life that can be used for backup power and other resources and you know that's particularly exciting for areas that are subject to you know a lot of national disasters florida california other places but also here um and so there's a lot of opportunity to do that and you know bmw has been out ahead on that they have out in california a project where they've taken used batteries from the i3 stacked them and they've got a grid scale battery that they're using uh, to support uh production out there well and it's been great having you uh, on the show today we just really appreciate your leadership 
uh, in the city and all that you're doing uh, over at SIA. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed being here, uh, talking with both you and KC. How, how can folks find out about SIA? Yeah, you can check out our website at CSEEalliance.org. You can also find us on Twitter at CSEE Alliance. And you can find me again on Twitter at Clean Energy, numeral four, you. Great. I'm at Tim Eccles, Casey. I'm at Casey Boyce. Stick around. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure you receive the highest quality solar energy system in the industry. They're proud to work with you before, during, and after the install, blending customer demand, system capability, and expertise to provide the best service possible. Contact them today at 770-485-7438 or creativesolarusa.com. Tim Eccles for Marlin Gas Services. As the port continues to grow, more and more trucking companies are using natural gas in their trucks instead of diesel. Marlin Gas Services is helping to usher in this clean opportunity. With their specialized rigs, they create virtual pipelines with all the equipment and expertise to provide reliable, clean natural gas. Marlin Gas is the company that gas utilities, pipeline companies, and industrial facilities turn to. See MarlinGas.com for more information. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMVW Auto Sales. COVID-19 has changed everything, even buying a car. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, not only sanitizes every car, but you can buy it online and they'll trailer it to your home anywhere in Georgia and surrounding states. They've used electric cars, plug-in hybrids, and traditional hybrids. Check out the inventory at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. They have a three-day loaner period as well if you want to make sure electric works for you. Check them out at ev-hybrid.com. Hey, welcome back to Energy Matters. This is Tim Eccles, and I am on the road on Memorial Drive in Atlanta with my friend Cave Camone, and he owns Better Tomorrow Solar. You've heard his advertisements on our show, and it's great to be at his headquarters here uh, in Atlanta. Cave, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Thank you for coming over in this uh, you know, COVID time. Hopefully, we're at the end of this time. Um, you know, we just uh, started back in this office. Actually, we just moved into this office, but started back in an office, I should say. About a few months ago, um, one of our uh, office uh, mates had, uh, or you know, employees got COVID, so we closed down. Everybody got tested for two, three weeks. Um, but now we're back. Everybody seems healthy, good. We're looking forward to a very good 2021 the um, energy tax credit for solar got extended, as most of your listeners probably know, for two years. So we, uh, our customers can enjoy um, a 26% tax break. Um, they were expecting, we're telling them they're going to get a 22% tax break. So that's a nice uh, 4% um, increase. Uh, next year, obviously, the same 22, well, it's not obvious, but the same 22, <laughs> the same 26% tax break will extend. It was supposed to be zero for residential, and I think it was a 10 or 15 for commercial, but it's going to be 26 now, so we're very happy about that. Um, we're also um, looking to see what comes down from Washington in terms of other kinds of incentives. Um, on the other side of the ledger, there is some... Um, I've heard that there's some noise about reducing the subsidies to fossil fuels in terms of uh, the subsidized rents on federal lands. That will definitely even out the field a little bit. And um, so we're basically we're very optimistic about this year. Yeah, I do anticipate there being more opportunity for clean energy, you know, under this administration, though, you know, frankly, solar has been standing on its own for some time. You know, Kavi, I had a chance to meet a lot of your uh, women employees here today, and I know you're really proud to have a lot of women working for you. And certainly, it's a growing business in Georgia. 
your company and the ladies working uh, here, are they being well received out there? Are people excited about solar or are there companies that feel like, hey, now's the time for us to go ahead and do this? What, what kind of response are your folks getting? Maybe speak to the, the ladies working for you and then talk about the business in general. One of the ladies you spoke to is one for whom I work. <laughs> so she's my boss. Um, so this is a female-owned um, uh, company, and uh, two-thirds of our sales force um, are, are women. I think the, the, re the reception is, is pretty good. Um, we are, again, very optimistic, and so far this year, we've, we've done better than um, the last two quarters of last year. Of course, it's only three weeks into the year, so it's too early to tell. Um, you know, it's a very good atmosphere with um, majority of our workers right now are people employed here are female. Um, we have a female intern who's a very bright um, young lady who's working on policy issues for us. Um, she's writing blogs. Uh, as I said, two thirds of our uh, salespeople are, are female. And we do have, um, and of course, our, our CEO is a female as well. You know, as I think about the net metering provision that we put in to uh, Georgia Power's solar pricing, I'm hearing a lot about it. I don't know about you from a, a sales perspective, but um, I'm interested, you know, as I talk to solar developers around our state, is this something that's causing people to go ahead and make that, make that purchase decision for solar? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, because, you know, we can show a, a reduced uh, return on investment. I mean, high, well, I mean, reduced uh, number of years it takes to recoup your money, a higher return on investment, I should say. And so indirectly, whether they know it's because of net metering or not, um, they, they will, um, you know, more, much more likely sign on. Of course, we do have to tell them about net metering. Some people, more than you'd probably expect, already know about it um, and understand it. But uh, for the rest, we, we explain it to them. Um, and it's allowed us to um, um, sort of design systems that are a little larger than we used to design because we, we take into account the entire month's consumption, not just the daily peak. Um, on the other hand, uh, we have um, lost some sales on batteries because net metering takes away one of the incentives to buy a battery. And we're very upfront with the customers. We say, you know, batteries you know, have, have dropped in price quite significantly, but they're still a high, you know, high, um, high item, high, high expense item. And unless you uh, are using it for backup, um, if your utility provider, like as in Georgia Power, provides net metering, there, there really isn't a financial case to be made for a battery. So we have sold fewer batteries, I think, because of net metering, but more solar. You know, batteries are, are all the rage, and I think about Elon Musk and the success he's having with SpaceX and the disruption that his company is going to have, I think, eventually on fiber broadband, cable broadband, uh, because he is putting low-orbiting satellites into space. Uh, so this is a man making electric cars, making batteries, and you know, and doing that all over the world. So I do think batteries are going to continue to have a a substantial impact. Let me let me ask you if you as you think about you know the the perfect house of the future uh, as as solar continues to go down in price and batteries continue to go down in price. Uh, what what does the house of the future, the smart house of the future, look like for you know for for the middle class family? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, it's a fun, fun fun thing to think about, and of course it depends on how far in the future you're asking. But but in the near future, um, um, I would think the battery would be mobile in the car, and uh, it would have the ability to um, interact with the house. Um, and um, so you wouldn't need a necessarily a stationary battery in the basement or garage or something. Um, and, um, you know, you would plug the car into the house. And uh, if it, the rates are favorable or if there's a blackout, um, then the car's battery will be used for powering essential loads. You might even have a community solar component where uh, my neighbor can use the charge from my car's battery. 
um, in case they need it more than I or want to pay more for it. You know, maybe there's a market where we negotiate prices automatically. And, you know, I, I, I put a um, sell price for the electrons in my car and my neighbor puts a buy price. And if those things meet, then he could, he's welcome to my batteries. And, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, we can think about lots of things, but, but that's what I, what I think might happen soon. And I agree with you that this type of thing is going to happen. I, I'm seeing uh, school bus companies, you know, and school systems think about this very thing, this vehicle to grid, this being able to sell that power back, you know, put, put energy in at night, sell it back in the daytime. You know, I'm, I'm hearing people talk about utilizing the car as, sim as simply a rolling battery and just viewing it exactly the way that you said it. So I do think we've got a lot of opportunities moving ahead. And then with the smart thermostat, you know, and the smart systems that we have that really, you know, have have the brains behind it to be able to coordinate all those activities. I think that's going to be that's going to be huge. Well, just in our last couple of minutes, um, you know, what would you say to our our listeners about the opportunity they should consider uh, with green energy right now, and how can they reach you all here at Better Tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, the the financial case for solar keeps getting stronger and stronger. Um, um, I put solar on my house about 15 years ago, and I paid almost $10 a watt. Now we're selling solar for uh, $2.50, $2.45, I mean $2.45 a watt. So this is only in 15 years. Solar, Jimmy Carter paid about $80, I think, a watt back in 1978. Um, so, you know, the, the price is going down. It's continuing going down. Uh, efficiencies are, are, are getting better. Uh, panels are getting slightly um, uh, lighter and easier to put up. So the case on all, all around is just getting better. And uh, uh, it w it's not going to be long. Once it starts rolling, uh, you're gonna, you only have 1%, I think, market penetration on the residential solar homes. There's a lot of opportunity, and we are gearing ourselves to take advantage of that. You know, disruptive technology can be cruel. And uh, I think about what the train, you know, how the train was impacted by the car. Uh, and Tybee Island, one of our uh, one of our barrier islands, used to be rival with Ocean City, Maryland and Cape May, New Jersey, because there was a train that went there up and down the island. And when that train stopped because of the Model A and the Model T, uh, uh, everything changed. So uh, I think I think we're going to see I think we're going to see solar and EVs have, you know, have some disruption. I just don't know how long it's going to be. But I really appreciate you being on Energy Matters today. And good luck with all the, all the cool things you guys are doing. Yes, Tim, I'm old enough to remember that. And thank you for uh, for letting me uh, on the show. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Energy Matters would like to thank GasSouth for its support of the show. GasSouth has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. GasSouth, the difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com. ev-hybrid.com. 
Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Better Tomorrow Solar. Imagine a world powered by sunlight. Imagine your home powered by sunlight. Better Tomorrow Solar has a passion for helping you see this for yourself. They've worked hard to overcome the chief obstacle to solar adoption, its initial cost. In some cases, they can install your solar panels at no cost, then charge a predetermined, stable rate for the energy used. In other cases, Better Tomorrow Solar has creative ways to finance the installation so the monthly payments are lower than the energy savings. Find out more at BetterTomorrowSolar.com. That's BetterTomorrowSolar.com and see how you make your world better. Welcome to Energy Matters. I'm Tim Eccles. I'm your host and my co-host, Casey Boyce. Casey, how's it going? Hey, good. A little wet this morning, but doing well. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Thanks. Hey, everybody, we're going to be talking about electric vehicles and now you're going to hear more and more about electric vehicles uh, there, there's federal policy essentially coming down that's going to electrify the whole federal fleet and if you think our state government owns a lot of cars and we do uh, you ought to see the federal fleet it's uh it's massive uh casey i'm not sure how they're going to feder- how, how they're going to electrify a an armored suv carrying you know high-powered officials in Washington, but they should because those cars sit there and idle all the time. Yep. Uh, I, I'll go to Washington, and and they'll just be sitting there idling uh, with a driver you know, who's in there staying warm, listening to the radio or whatever. So it does make sense. I mean, do you see that eventually, that even armored vehicles are going to be electrified? Oh, yeah. And a lot of those vehicles don't uh, travel very far in between. You know, you're going from the White House to somewhere else or, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. So you can stuff a big battery in an SUV. And so I I actually think that's uh, a little bit less difficult to electrify than my understanding is that uh, the Biden administration is committed to electrifying all the military fleet as well. And and some of those I mean, there's there's definitely a rationale for that. Right. It's it's dangerous to get gasoline to vehicles on the front lines. Um, but at the at the same time, you know, if you don't have the ability to recharge, uh, that could be an issue for our, our men and women in, in uniform. So uh, so that'll, I think, be the bigger challenge. Well, Casey, we've talked about the car market a lot on our show. I'm from a car background. My family owned a, a car auction um, and I was in the car business right after college, worked at Beaudry Ford. Uh, there at the corner of Piedmont and Ellis, which is now the Georgia State dorms. Uh, mm-hmm. You didn't live there in no. the Georgia State dorms, did you, when you went to Georgia State? No, I, I did the commuter thing. I, I was living in Decatur at the time. And then I've had now five electric vehicles. So I'll take you through my EVs. I've had, uh, and before I had an EV, I had a natural gas Honda, a 98 Honda Civic with a factory natural gas engine, didn't run on anything else, and it was really the equivalent of, uh, <laughs> of, of the Leaf. And then I got a Volt, a Chevy Volt, uh, and then I also have, and I have the Volt now, I'm driving it today here at the Capitol, and I also have um, a little low-speed electric vehicle that's down on Tybee Island, I'm letting them use it for six months, um, but it's like you know, a golf cart, really, uh, but it does have a tag. It's fully electric. Uh, so, Casey, I know you you are so excited because you've just got a new electric vehicle. So take us through what you've had and, uh, and kind of the decision-making process that your family went through to get this new Polestar mm-hmm. 2. And we're going to tell you, our audience, what a Polestar yeah, 2 is. Yeah, so uh, like you, Tim, I, I grew up uh, as a car guy. I grew up outside of Detroit and, you know, really enjoyed fast cars and driving. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been through not as many EVs as you have, but uh, this is my third electric vehicle, uh, fourth if you count my wife. So I had a 2014 BMW i3 uh, and then followed that up when the, the lease was up with a 2015 i3. Uh, and, you know, now have the uh, the uh, 2021 Polestar 2 that I'll talk about here in a moment. Um, my wife has a 2015 Volkswagen e-Golf. Uh, so, you know, we've been an all electric family since 2016. And, and really, that was kind of the impetus for this new car. So I really like the i3. And for any of our listeners that are interested in picking up, uh, a, you know, a commuter car, a second car, uh, they've depreciated. Um, you can pick them up for fairly inexpensively 
little bit more than a used leaf, but not too much more. Um, and they're they're a whole lot of fun. Um, and uh, and you know, I really wouldn't be looking for a new car, but for a couple of factors, right? So we have had uh, two relatively short range. So think about you know, eighty miles or so highway EVs since two thousand sixteen, and we found ourselves doing more road trips. I've got a, a trip that I do fairly regularly, four or five times a year. That's about 120 miles one way, but uh, going up into the mountains. So you've got some elevation change. And, you know, the, the challenge with that, with either of our EVs, is that we've got to stop twice to charge to get there. So it was kind of getting a little bit old. And as the kids were getting uh, older, uh, I've got two kids. Um, they were looking for their own doors. Um, of course, my wife's e-golf has that. So, you know, we ended up using that as the family car. Uh, the i3's got little rear hinge doors, which, you know, makes it easy to get in and out of. But you've got to open either the driver or passenger door to do that. Right. So anyway, all of those things kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, we need something that's a little bit bigger with a little bit longer range. Um, and, you know, I really was uh, headed down the road of uh, getting a test which you know a lot of people have a lot of people love um, it's kind of the default if you're looking for an electric car uh, but we rented one uh, back in 2019 just before the pandemic I uh, had it for a week um, and I really didn't like it all that much there were a couple of things that you know as a, a driver you know someone who really enjoys the experience of driving just didn't gel with me um, so started looking and the Polestar 2 is kind of the first um, real competitor in terms of, you know, it's not super expensive, expensive, like a Tesla Model S or a Porsche Taycan. Um, it, it's a little bit, you know, larger uh, than what I had with the BMW i3 um, hatchback. Uh, and, you know, everything that I read about it was that, you know, it was an enjoyable drive. Um, Tim, I got to tell you, I bought this thing sight unseen, right? So <laughs> luckily it, it lived up to the hype. But yeah. Yeah. Casey, um, the Tesla groups and i had a chance to work with them when we did the world record parade attempt tesla groups they love elon musk i mean i'm not going to call it a cult uh that's 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 way too strong but they love that guy and i'm i'm telling you uh i started following a bunch of those guys on twitter looking at their twitter post and it's like you know elon musk can do anything and 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 I, I'm actually now starting to believe that watching watching uh, this rocket, you know, go to space and come back and the satellite launches and all the stuff that this guy is doing. Uh, I mean, he, he really is one of the, the most substantial culture changers out there. Uh, and so, you know, the fact that you don't have a Tesla surprising a little bit to me because he is you know and his cars are and his charging network is so state-of-the-art yeah look you know i i have learned to stop predicting that elon musk can't do things i mean i kind of poo-pooed the idea of you know him being successful with tesla um you know of them uh you know getting the market cap that they have on the stock market uh you know he does incredible things and my hat is off to him for being really the first new american car company to successfully launch in like a century right um so i you know and, and he's really driven a lot of transportation electrification among other things right so um, you know, for folks who are Elon Musk fanboys, you know, there's there's no shade being thrown here. I think he's he's done some incredible things. You know, Casey, we just got a couple minutes left in, in the in this segment, but you know, let's just hit maybe three or four of the common objections people have about EVs. I, I want to start. I just want to say they're inconvenient, uh, and and I'm okay with that, right? Because it's important to me one to lead the way in this. And I have been, you know, for almost a decade now. But um, but it is something where you learn to work around that and plan that. And I think that, you know, that's uh, that that is important. But you have to know that that you may have to wait, even with a Tesla, you may have to make more stops and wait while you're charging. Uh, Casey, what would be an objection that that you've heard a lot about? Um, that they don't have enough range. And I think, you know, that's simply, you know, at this point, 
not true for most folks. You know, most people drive, you know, 30 miles or so in a day and almost all the new EVs that you can buy have ranges north of 200 miles. Um, and so, yeah, if you're doing long road trips, which I, I know you do, Tim, fairly often, um, but, uh, you know, you may have to wait to, to charge. But for most people, it's plug it in, top it up overnight. You've got plenty of range for the day to day. Yeah. And look, folks, there's there's no shame in getting a Chevy Volt. I, I know there's a lot of judgment out here in you know, and canceling in this culture, you know, based on any and everything. But there's nothing wrong with having a Chevy Volt. I had 42 miles, you know, on my car this morning and, you know, about 360 gas miles. It's a gas generator that charges charges the battery. And that works for me because I don't have a lot of time to sit and wait all day as I'm going to Savannah or going other places in Georgia. So, you know, just dip your toe in the water. I mean, if you've never had uh, an electric car of any sort, start with a Prius. Start with something even without a plug. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Casey, what would be the final, maybe the final objection? Uh, That they cost too much. So uh, again, you know, if you look at what's on the market, the average new car uh, buyer spends about $35,000 on a, a car and you can get a lot of electric cars for around that. And then when you factor in the the federal tax credit of $7,500, which is available for anything except Tesla's and General Motors vehicles, um, you know, that can take it substantially lower than that. Um, and you, of course, save tons of money on maintenance and fuel. So, um, you know, overall, they can be a really smart financial decision. Well, folks, we appreciate you tuning in to Energy Matters. Uh, I'm at uh, Tim Eccles on Twitter. The show's at Matters Radio. Casey? And I'm at Casey Boyce on Twitter. You can catch all our back episodes at WGAURadio.com or anywhere where you get your podcast. Just search for Energy Matters with Commissioner Eccles. Hey, everyone, you've been listening to Energy Matters. I hope you have a great rest of the day. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com. Solarsunworld.com. Come.